All right, we are live. Ken Groey, how you doing? Oh, Randy, living the dream, just like you, brother. There you go. N nice to see the uh, IBM Blue behind you. Oh, yeah, uh, big blue, baby. Who, who, who would have thought? Come back from the MC days. But anyway, so this is uh, welcome, everybody. This is episode number 64. Really honored and psyched to have Ken Groey, who's the Chief Revenue Officer of Taos. We're going to hear some great things about Taos. And we're sponsored today by Decision Link, who is a fantastic, uh, I think, in my opinion, about the only value selling platform company that's out of, that is uh, that's out there. Uh, Ken will talk uh, talk about them. But you know, our, our experience over the years is that um, within the sales process, trying to get people to quantify the value of what you're selling is a challenge. I always say, hey, if you're in the elevator with the CFO and you're trying to sell something to the company, what are you going to say? It's not a bunch of technical mumbo jumbo. It's around helping them generate revenue, get a competitive advantage, get cost savings. That's what Decision Link does for you. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. And we have a fantastic title that's really hot today, uh, hot these days. Uh, the great resignation is a great recruitment. So uh, lots of great, uh, great things to talk about uh, today. Uh, I've known Ken for a long time, uh, not counted the years, but going back to, uh, I guess, since the late 80s or so. He was a uh, young stud uh, back in the EMC days. He knew he was poised for success. And uh, over the years, after being at EMC for, I think, 25 years, um, he's continued to evolve and reinvent himself. Fantastic sales leader, has been in lots of different environments, uh, has lots of best practices to share and could probably talk all week. Definitely a friend of the channel. And uh, Ken and I, actually, we, we didn't discuss this, but we have uh, almost 2,600 mutual connections. So I think that might be, uh, <laughs> at least for me. That might a, be a uh, record, yeah. <laughs> a LinkedIn record. And uh, maybe you want to share uh, how, how we first met. Oh, I'd love to do this story. Yeah. Morning, everybody. If you're the West Coast, East Coast, uh, happy lunchtime. I say that a lot during the week, but uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, how we met. Um, it's authentic as it is. Um, there's a place called The Rat at Boston College. It's, uh, I think it's Lions. Randy was first or second year at EMC. He had opened up Europe or at least, uh, yeah, at least uh, UK for EMC, a young company at the time. I, I think at the time, I think it was around 68 million in revenue. I was what they used to call a telemarketer. Now they call them BDRs or inside sales. I think I was one of the first wave of ever hired. I was working in Natick on Mercer Road. Um, but to get the job at EMC, I literally, I was running the marketing Academy, which is the biggest student run organization at Boston college. We had like 300 members. It was, it was a fun group. It was all about careers. Some people go to college to party. Some people go to get careers. I went to get a career and party along the way too, but I literally went to this trade show that was at the rat Alliance. There was Randy Seidel and Dave Donatelli, two Titans of the industry, you know, 20 years later, but I bump into him. Randy pays immediate eye contact to me. I show my resume at the time, I was working for a place called Champion Expedition Services, which is basically a union-run trade show place. So literally, we put together trade shows. So I knew how to put together the booth and everything. But Randy connected with me right away. Um, I didn't know him that well in college because we missed each other by a year or so at BC. But I literally did what everyone else did, grassroots. I said, I want to work for your company. He goes, why? Because it's, it's, it's young. It's empowering young people to do things. You're running all of Europe, for example. And I was in a class uh, that Frank Ladwig taught. Um, at BC called Professional Selling, and he touted it. In fact, you were one of the guest speakers there. So I kind of knew you because you were a guest speaker. Thanks for always giving back and paying it forward, Randy. But I literally gave you my resume. You laughed at me and said, how'd you get all this done in college? I go, I came for a career. 
My dad was a plumber. I came for a career. I'm having fun, but I didn't come to party. I came to get a career and let's, let's do this. So that's exactly how I met Randy. I ended up working for him and, uh, Geez, I've been married for 29 years to Annie, and I've known Randy actually longer than my wife. But thanks for uh, reminiscing the story. It started the grassroots level. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. All right. And uh, if, if we can keep it brief, but, uh, you know, talk a bit about your professional uh, background and, uh, and maybe start off, uh, you know, for, for those SDRs that you have at Taos, talk about your, uh, you know, early days telemarketing and then however you want to uh, kind of go fast through your career. I'll, uh, I've done a few things and people can look at my LinkedIn. I'll just try to go over the lesson I learned from each of them. Um, I spent 25 years at EMC. I was one of the original employees, not as original as Randy, but what a great place to learn. What did I learn? It's almost like you ever saw the movie Matrix and they have a red pill and a blue pill. EMC gave you the red pill and you realized, and sorry, I just turned 55 this past Sunday and everyone who came by my house and dropped off a gift because I was out with the family doing what you should do on your birthday. They dropped off whatever they dropped off. Most of my friends are VCs, CEOs, executives, or CROs, because they all take the red pill. Like a lot of people famously said, nothing happens until someone starts uh, sells something. So um, to cut to the chase, uh, at EMC, I learned sense of urgency. Anything for the customer, sense of urgency. And I think anyone you interview from that incredibly glorious place learns that. I left after 25 years for Veridant. And what I learned from there is if you have alignment, we had a great CEO at the time, Mike Gustafson. He aligned everybody by sending out a deck Sunday night. And Monday morning, we all met across the executive team. And I ran marketing, sales, and customer success. It's basically a glorified CRO before the title was out. And we learned alignment. If you have alignment, everything can happen. I went to Western Digital. I learned how to sell big. Yes, I sold some stuff to a search engine company that starts with a G. I can't go into too much in details on that, but uh, it's kind of neat knowing that when the internet indexes, they're using a product that uh, we, we provided them. Uh, I went to go to Barracuda, worked for one of the best guys in the world, BJ Jenkins. And I learned SEO organic and how to actually, the whole, we'll talk about this later, revenue operations, the whole customer life cycle. People don't get, Randy, that 68% of the research a prospect gets is online viewing the feel of your company before they even willingly talk to a sales rep. And uh, I think some people might miss that. So that was Barracuda. Spent some time at Samsung doing a startup for them. Spent some time at Weka um, uh, doing a startup for them. And I'm, I'm at Taos now. And uh, Taos I chose because the one thing you and I both know is you can sell hardware all you want, software all you want. But if you don't have technical people on the bench that you could prioritize on that exact effort, you can't gain share on a new mobile app or whatever you're rolling out for the world as you come out of COVID, as you're grabbing customers in new places, you need to be able to have those technical people available to monetize it and create a business outcome. And we'll get to that later, but um, that's my career. Um, if you look at my LinkedIn, it's basically grew up through sales and I've tried to give people like you, Randy, a lot of breaks and their first um, confidence behind them. That's great. And you're also uh, uh They've done uh, over the years a lot of work on the advising side. Uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah, I, I'm a lucky guy. Um, a lot of people reached out to me, whether it was Zoom or whether it's Cohesity, uh, Commvault's new venture, Metallic, they're a great company. And I'm not, there, there's many, many others that are out there. Some are small, like Accelerate or Copilot or Modigi. We can talk about them later. But there's a lot of folks that are realizing it's just too expensive to go blaring into market, hiring a bunch of sales reps before you have the product-led growth available and have a product market fit. So people reach out to me, they add me as advisorship. Um, and if I can do it on the weekends or at night, I, I help them out. And what I help basically help them out is create a motion that optimizes 
the return on all the investments, whether it be digital, whether it be go to market all the way through. And in the case of Zoom, it really worked. Um, but in the case of others, we you know, the different mar- parts of the market. And uh, Randy, you'll probably ask this later. Everyone's like, well, why don't you bring the same tools and the same people everywhere you go to? Well, it depends on the size ticket. Depends if it's SaaS or if it's not. Depends if it's services. Um, you got to match the right thing. Like like we we learned from Frank, Frank Lagwig, if someone throws you a pen, there's a certain way you sell the pen. It's you sell it on the need for a writing device or the prestige of a writing device. You don't go through the features of the blue ink. You, know, you find out what they're going to use it for. So, But no, I love being an advisor. Um, I will probably spend a lot of my rest of my career doing advising along the way, as long as it's not competitive where I'm at. But I, I really like seeing the first founders and I, the advice all the way through. But thank you for mentioning that, Randy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those watching at home, as a reminder, we have Ken Groey, CRO of Taos. So feel free to uh, post any comments, ask any questions. And uh, we have Tucker behind the scenes who uh, always does a, a great job for us. So uh, talking about uh, not talking about the blue ink, uh, specifically in the pen, and talking about the, the value the pen provides, maybe talk about the unique value proposition of Taos. Well, thank you. Um, Taos is about 800 people. We are owned. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary from IBM. Thank you, IBM. Great, great company to work for. Uh, they provide a lot of access. But what Taos uniquely does is if you want, if you have applications that are legacy-based and you want to get to the cloud, or you're already in the cloud and you want to optimize a cloud-native environment, our unique value propositions, we help you do that. We're the Sherpas or that provide ninja tech expertise to actually provide those services for people to actually optimize whether you're moving to the cloud or you're providing DevOps or DevSecOps or one of our newer features is data ops now where you actually have the AI data scientist, but somehow there isn't enough people in your IT environment or budget to actually stand up those operations and build security into them. We'll give you those people for a period of time. We'll combine them with processes and tools and you'll have a business outcome. Randy, you and I were taught the right way. You're buying a business outcome that's backed by an SLA and a contract that gets you what you want to get to. Like if your, your point is you want to get whatever to an Azure landing zone or a mobile application to AWS or optimize across, we'll give you those people. We have over 600 people that have passed a TIV test, um, which is basically equivalent to like a CPA for accountants, for technical folks. And if you pass that test, we have those people in the bench and some combination of processes, tools, automation, and some really first class people will deliver those business outcome for you. But thanks for mentioning Taos. Absolutely. And uh, so TIV is Taos interview validation, correct? Yeah. It's, it's like we said, it's if you were to go get your taxes done, Randy, uh, and you know that you would go to a CPA, you wouldn't go to someone who hasn't yet passed the test. Or if you were uh, uh, someone gotcha. with a frivolous lawsuit after you, you'd go with someone who actually passed the bar exam. All our lives, you know, everyone would have said, how do you know if someone's technical enough, technical or not? Well, if you got a 92 on the TIV, we'll hire you. If you get like something in the 80s, we'll put you on our emerging tech lab and give you 90 days to retake the test. But we want to have at a time where the critical, you you saw the title, the great resignation. People are pausing and trying to go to jobs they want to do. Like I did. I want to go to Taos and getting out of the jobs they have to do. Um, And we're leading by example by that. But the great recruitment is how do you get those apps out there? And what we're able to do is we have so many people. I think we have over 600 now on the bench that have passed the TIV test that we put to use to get you to competitive edge and business impact. But that's what the TIV is. Oh, that's great. And then um, can you talk about the historical journey of Taos, maybe kind of from a fundraising side of things, and then what you can talk about relative to how the IBM deal came about? 
Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't there when the IBM deal came out, but I can tell you how attractive Taos was when it happened. Believe it or not, Taos was, if you Google Taos right now, you'll probably get a, a beautiful city in New Mexico. I haven't been there, but I heard it's like a equivalent great to ski, Great ski area. I've been there. Oh, good, good. I'll have but to get there someday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to get there. I know you like to ski. I'm a little behind you on that um, skill set. But um, I, I believe our founder, Rick, uh, well, I know for a fact he founded in 1989. He probably either liked Taos or maybe was in Taos when he came up with the idea. And the idea was that he worked for Apple at the time, actually directly reporting to Stephen Jobs. And his point was there's extra people that are doing, you know, DevOps before DevOps was even named. People that are yeah. doing the coding, doing the you know, burstable labor that was in Silicon Valley. So it originated in Silicon Valley, been around since 1989, the year I graduated college. And he grew that environment up, mostly as a staff augmentation in a staffing company for basically uh, boutique companies like an eBay or a Palo Alto Networks as they started. And they needed other companies to move up along the way. And they basically took care of that. About six years ago, uh, my boss, Hamilton Yu, who's uh, involved at Nuance and some other places, great operator, great leader. Um, he came on board and tried to move them to the cloud. And he did it. We're now 90 plus percent now in the cloud, which is unbelievable. Um, IBM noticed it. And I think What's really cool about IBM is they acknowledge that Taos would be a great way to get new people into the IBM environment. They're a powerful, one of the most respected companies in the world is IBM Global Services, a part of IBM. It's, it's, in fact, the speaker last week, Billy Hogan, one of my friends from college, mentioned them as well. Everyone respects that company. If you had to move a data center across the world, who would you call? Obviously, IBM Global Services. They're an incredible parent, and they acknowledged it, and they actually acquired it. Um, I think it was in February 4th of last year. So it's a little bit more than a year anniversary. Before that, we were private equity based. I think Bunker Hill out of Boston. You and I both have an accent from there. I uh, run the company. But what's great about IBM, they believe in the growth and they know the time of great resignation is the time that people need technical people off the bench. So they've, my goodness, they've allowed me to triple our sales force, triple our SDR and BDR. We call them BDR um, People, because that's really critical. I know some people are out there early in their career doing that right now or mid-career in there right now and actually double or triple our marketing budget so we can reach the right people. Because we think our problem with Taos is exposure. You know, again, when you Google Taos, you still get a, a beautiful town in New Mexico. They don't quite have the name recognition of, wow, they're the people that can be the Sherpas that help us get to the cloud and optimize our path to the cloud with DevOps and other uh, services. Well, so admittedly, if we go back in time and put ourselves in uh, our, our younger days in the 80s and 90s, uh, IBM would be one of the last places we want to work. And it sounds like for you and for Taos, it's actually been a positive experience. Oh, they've incredibly retrofitted their company. They acknowledged it. I mean, part, part of life, and you'll have other speakers, to, you know, knowing your blind spot is something you really have to acknowledge. I think IBM acknowledged their blind spot in no, their crown jewel is Ivan Global Services, but they're like, we're just not getting enough West Coast logos. We're not getting enough net new customers. Um, you know, the, we mentioned the Zooms, the, the, the Databricks, other companies like that. These emerging companies, you'd never know what will be the next Facebook, the next you know, Tesla, the next Zoom. So you've got to get in early. And uh, we've optimized that. We've now gone nationally. And, you know, our goal in, uh, from Hamilton's leadership is to get over a thousand people on Taos. So we're growing by human capital, but more growing by revenue. So it's product led growth. And uh, yeah, but yeah, there was a period of time. My wife even said this when I took the position. She goes, who'd ever guessed you'd work for IBM, which was your bitter enemy for 25 years. But I'm not. I'm part of IBM Global Services, which I, I remember when I was at EMC, IBM Global Services had the uh, agnostic view. They actually would buy product from us right. and run replication. 
and run that environment. And I was amazed. I'd meet with Ivan Global Services and they go, yeah, we're buying the best product for the customer's use case. And it happens to be your product versus IBM's. Wow, who would guess 25 years ago, those type of transactions in West Virginia and Ohio, where I was living at the period of time, would actually cause me to say, yeah, let's make a career choice to actually embrace this and kind of, you know, Red Hat separate from IBM and Taos is separate from IBM, subsidiary, but they're doing something unique for IBM to help kind of energize the company. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. You think about, you have the entrepreneurial, smaller company startup, all the goodness that comes with that. And you've got the total backing of monster deep pockets, safety, security, everything else, which must be great for customers and for employees. Yeah, IBM's been a great parent. And it's not just resources, but supervision, it's best practices, uh, what they have for AI. Andy, and you know, Randy, we, we, we really, really talk about how AI really can make a, a, a big impact and people are trying to put it everywhere in their fabric. But there's so many incredible things. Um, we just had their DTT group speak to us about data transformation just recently. And we're wow. able to integrate all the different IBM products. So we're giving a more holistic solution. And we're blessed. About 30 to 40% of our leads actually come from IBM where they've got a large contract, but they need a couple precise folks to because yep. they're optimized for AWS or optimized for putting DevSecOps into their new landing zone for AWS. So it's a nice marriage and a brilliant move by IBM and a brilliant move by Hamilton leadership team to acknowledge IBM would be a great owner for uh, Taos going forward. That's great. So uh, l last question here on Taos. So if you're talking to a, a recruit who's on the fence, what's your uh, elevator pitch? Well, uh, like me, I've sold hardware in my life. Like me, I've sold software in my life. Like me, I've actually built a SaaS company called SignNow. The one holdup from everything, from everything is having technical people available at the customer whether they're theirs or is a contract basis. And you can't get the business outcome that's promised by hardware or software or SaaS unless you can actually implement it. That's the difference. No one likes shelf shelfware. Uh, unfortunately, I've sold more shelfware than anybody, I think maybe in the history of IT, given how long I've been here. And it's just so despondent to go back to them and say, let's go do a success story. And the answer is, I'd love to, but it's not implemented yet. And even SaaS hasn't solved that, that issue. So to talk to a recruit, You'll get to see the business impact. You'll get to grow up. Um, we have SDR and BDR openings. We have sales rep openings, management openings. We just promoted from within. Mike Mayer, for example, uh, recently, which is really great. I, I just think you get to see everything holistically. And we'll talk about this later, Randy. But the good news about being a CRO is about 68% of the research prospects go through are going through the website, reading you know, thought leadership articles, uh, you know, vetting you for all different occasions, and actually going to a chat actually on the website, because 68% of your research is done before you talk to a sales rep. And yeah. good environment at Taos is you'll learn all facets of the go-to-market, not just you know carry the bag part of sales. So um, the good news is a lot of executives and a lot of uh, sales reps have chosen to invest in Taos. And every time we put an offer out, like the title says, they have two or three other offers in their hands, in their hands. And we don't win them all. For some reasons, people might want to go with others. But for those who want to invest in their career and be better in 10 years, they'll choose Taos because you get business outcomes right in front of your eyes. Thanks for the question, Randy. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I, I should have said as well for the uh, you know re recruiting that we have going on for top talent recruiting with you know, Ryan and I, it's, I don't know, I'll say it's an easy sell, but it's uh, definitely really compelling for sure. Compliments. We're going to talk about tools, but uh, for those who need a, a precise recruiter, Top talent I've used for many years. We've using them at Taos. We're very happy with you and Ryan. Very, very happy. So if you want to uh, make the great resignation, the great recruitment, I'd advocate using top talent, one of Randy's companies and Ryan 
who runs that business. Spectacular job so far. We've used them quite often. Awesome. Thank you. So f- finally to the topic, the great resignation is a great recruitment. Uh, why'd you pick that? Well, I post a lot of things. Um, you go the internet an awful lot. I post a lot of things on LinkedIn. I think it's an incredible uh, place. That was the most downloaded article on IBM.com in the last three months. It was an article because like we talked about before, especially the younger people, I'm blessed to have a daughter who's turned 25 uh, next week. And I have twin daughters who turned 23 two or three weeks ago. And, you know, whether it was at Barracuda where most of the Salesforce was very young and taught me new things or my daughters who take me new things. I think the whole world's galvanizing around these millennials that are doing the right thing as they go into their career. I know your, your daughter is, is new in the career as well. I, I believe she's working at Disneyland. You get to actually take the choices in life that you want to make an impact on. People are doing things that more mean something to them because they realize it's not just about the paycheck. It's what you can do about the environment. So environment or your own career. So the great resignation is you're choosing jobs that you want to do versus you have to do. I remember, you know, the generation before mine was go work at a place, don't complain, sit at a desk. 40 years later, they give you a gold watch and make sure you get matching 401k. I don't think people are worried about that. They want to make a difference. They really do. And I think people are following the consumer market. Um, I, I used to run Flash for uh, EMC. It was my biggest job at EMC before I left. You know, I remember at that company, they were trying to dissuade people from buying Flash. And part of the reason why you didn't believe it at the end, you want to embrace disruptions. So, you know, look at the young people, you know, these days, you know, they think nothing of it, of you know, Uber Eats or these other services are doing things just better and crisper. And I like, like, like you went back to school. I went back to Stanford in my late 40s, early 50s, because I want to reinvent myself. So it, it was a nice way to kind of go after it. So embracing the great recruitment is how Taos is solving the great resignation. So people are resigning from jobs that are drudgery that are just paychecks and going to people places that they can have a career from. And what Taos is able to do is when they go to those other companies and you want to modernize a, a more up-to-date app, we're there to take care of the drudgery and the plumbing work to get that happen. But great question, Randy. Oh, awesome. Great. Uh, yeah. Fantastic topic as well. So uh, just a reminder for those watching at home, uh, feel free to ask any questions, post any comments, heckle Ken or, or anything like that. Uh, and Tucker looks like we have some, if you want to pull them up. Uh, so from Jesse, Ken, love your content. You're clearly standing out in a great way as a CRO, and it will benefit you long-term as well as your companies. Uh, what advice do you have for CROs who want to improve their personal brand because the world uh, works now on how you lead? Well, good. Thank you, Jesse. We all love your content as well. Thank you for the nice compliment. I appreciate that. No, um, let me start with, and there's another comment from Mason. Um, one of the great things about IBM is they try to get you into one word as a New Year's resolution for the year. And mine was purpose. So I'm trying to galvanate the company around at least my purpose and others should have their thoughts as well. And the purpose behind it was to allow folks to cut through the clutter and to be able to find ways to actually create those business outcomes. So with that purpose in mind, and to answer Jesse's question, yeah, I did create uh, Lunchtime Friday. I had just sold my company sign now, or we'd spun it out, not to get into semantics, but I'd sold it out and sold it to a bigger entity called AirSlate, which is actually acquired by uh, General Catalyst and some great people making it AirSlate. So I was in between positions, and I took up all these advisor-type jobs. And I wanted to give back. I mean, Randy, really, if you look at sales community, you're not 
doing it for the bottom line. You're doing it because you give back and you do it better than anybody. I mean, you're always connecting, you're always helping people, introductions, and you never ask what's in it for me. You do a great job. And most of my people I look up to, you're one of my mentors, Peter Bell's one of my mentors. There's countless other ones, Jeff Goldberg, Mike Rutgers, et cetera. They always just did it because the right thing to do. So if purpose is my cause, I want to do the right thing to do. And I'm hoping in the demographic of lunchtime Friday that I do just literally whatever I'm thinking about. And I do pick either a billboard in the behind me in Silicon Valley or I'm blessed to live in front of the ocean or across ocean. the ocean. Yeah, there's some beautiful views. I try to give some type of something I learned along my way to help all. Mostly I'm not doing it just for the young people, but the young people tend to galvanize with it. I'm so honored that my own daughter, Olivia, who's in the market working at Fortinet, she watches as well. And she go, she tells you what's good and bad. But I love when there's a technical founder or a technical person goes, I don't know much about sales, but I watch Lunchtime Friday every Friday. So I did it not to, I did to give back. And I'm glad if I'm known as a Lunchtime Friday guy. And if you watch it, I try to do it in 60 seconds. And hopefully it's one of the lessons learned that's real life and tactical. Yeah, I, mean, I find it's great. Um, again, it's short, it's easy. And I'm amazed that more people don't do that. And then you're also, I think, pretty active on LinkedIn, which a lot of times some of our generation CROs, you know, are not. And, you know, I think by doing, you know, interview like this, your, you know, different things that you post, you know, you're really reaching out to customers, to partners, to employees, to candidates in a way that you really can't do otherwise, right? They're not going to be able to see, you know, somebody's going to have a meeting with you. They want to go, you know, what is he posted? Okay, you know, you're able to get a good flavor for the person as opposed to people that, you know, don't really leverage all this, uh, you know, social media uh, vehicles that we have these days. So you, you do great with that for sure. Well, thanks. One, uh, of the best, one of the best things you can do, Randy, is a quick advice. I won't give away all my secrets, but I'll give away one right now. It's not just posting on LinkedIn. Go to the groups, Go to the groups that people belong to. If you want to sell to CIOs in banking, go join the LinkedIn group on banking for the Midwest. And don't like, hey, I want a meeting with Frank or I want a meeting with Judy. No, post something that's helpful. Spend time posting, giving back and posting thought leadership articles that either you write or you think is helpful. Participate in these forums. People will notice it because what really helps is when people that are prospects find you in the wild and it authentically leads you back to your website and a chat tool into a discovery meeting, that's huge. I talked about before, 68% of your prospects are doing work without you in the room to find you. And then the only begrudging at the end then say, okay, give me a sales rep to, to work all the way through out there. So um, I don't think enough people work on the 68%. They work on the final 30 something percent, uh, which is great. But I think it's a competitive advantage working holistically all the way across it because you want to give back. You want to do thought leadership articles that eventually lead to you. One of our biggest deals recently was I go, I actually asked the question, how'd you find us? I read your article. Um, you know, the great resignation is really a great recruitment. I was looking for buying six people as a pod uh, to roll an environment for DevSecOps. It was a great article. I clicked it. They didn't tell me this, but they clicked it. We actually went through the IP. It went to our website, went to our chat tool, went to one of our BDRs. The BDR, Julie, great shout out. She won one of our awards at kickoff. We just had that. Julie. And bang, it turned into a discovery call and we closed the deal within three weeks. Oh, love it. Love it. And uh, Mason, uh, very well said here. If you work with purpose that you mentioned, the earnings and benefits will always follow. And uh, I think you could probably attest that that's an area where we've matured a lot um, over the years, because I think, uh, you know, tr truthfully, when we started, that was not the case. And I admire you know, a lot of the young generation now who really are purpose driven as as we've become. And to Mason's great point, you kind of have purpose, you do what you like, you know, like what you do, 
then earnings and the benefits and everything else follows. Uh, very well said, uh, Mason. And uh, Fr Frank Hennessy looks like has uh, chimed in as well. Uh, not only a mentor, but a, a great person. It's a lot, lot coming from uh, Frank Hennessy for sure. So now uh, some of your, I think, uh, past kind of two or three lunchtime Friday posts were around your sales kickoff. And uh, you, you actually had to do it virtually, correct? Yeah, our intention was to do it physically. And then we did huddle up as executives and we thought for the safety of employees, we had to move it virtually. Um, you didn't want to be a member of my family that week of prep before. I didn't realize this. Um, a when you move to a physical, do a virtual kickoff, it does, you lose about a week of your life. Um, we <laughs> moved it. Yeah, all my life, I wanted to go to sales kickoff that were experience-based. I wanted to learn something. I wanted to get better. I didn't want to show up and watch 300 PowerPoint slides and fall asleep. I didn't want that. There has been others I've been at that, that was this. So we did two or three things that were very, very helpful. Um, one of them, we created birds of a feather. I do think peers learn from peers better. And you may not believe this, but I shut up and one of the uh, reps in our organization, JP, challenged me. I bet you can't be quiet for 52 minutes. And I did. I shut up for 53 minutes and watched the reps learn from everybody else. Secondly, we made we used something called game speed. I gave a speech about game speed. If you could practice at the pace of games, you'll be a competitive disadvantage. And if you practice and practice and practice in front of your peers, and not role plays, but real, you know, if you're going to give an ROI presentation, but you can practice in front of your peers and you stumble, who cares? What does the company lost when you're in practice? But when you go live and it's in a game, you stumble during that meeting and don't listen correctly and don't empathize and don't have a natural curiosity, you're going to lose the whole deal. Unbelievable. That's great. And then some other things I think you put in there too was within some of the pieces, not just the birds of the feather, best practices, but also some other specifics around art of the deal and solution selling too, correct? Yeah. Um, you mentioned Decision Link. It's a tool that we use. Um, to be brutally honest, I reached out to David Schneider at Service uh, ServiceNow when he was there. I think he was president and he's moved on to VC. He vouched for it very, very strongly. I reached out to Jeff Casali and many others who are uh, friends of ours, BC, Go BC. Um, that used it and the underpinnings of VMware. Well, how can you fault those two companies who proliferated in the marketplace and were change agents? So what we did is we had each of our, we call them business development executives, and JPI just saw that, yeah, you acknowledge you lost the bet. Nothing better than the uh, Mortimer type $1 bet we had with JP. He challenged me to be quiet for a while. But every one of the business development exec executives had to present how they used Decision Link as an ROI. Because at the end of the day, sorry, quick analogy. When I was a sales rep, uh, you were one of my mentors said, Kenny, you want to get better? Think like a customer. And then when I became a manager, I got advice from Mike Gustafson. Kenny, you want to be better? Think like an executive. Well, I became an executive. Peter Bell said to me, think like a VC. When you're thinking like a VC, all you're thinking about, how can I get a small bag of money to invest short term for a bigger bag of money long term? So what's great about dealing with Taos and anybody who uses Decision Link, it takes a little bit of time to get going, but you actually can show demonstrably one sheet that literally shows you know, this small bag of money, let's call it $400,000 over a recurring basis over six months, will allow you not just to get what you want to in the cloud, but will drive 2% market share gain, which might be in the billions, in the billions. So you're talking overall business impact and you deliver that. And what's really, really helpful, if you get that ROI done correctly in one sheet and maybe put an as is to be environment for change management, and you combine the two of them, you now have your champion able to sell and turn on the company as well as you can without you having to be in the room. But no, I did put everybody on stage and said, 10 minutes, game ready, go. How are you using ROI? And they couldn't do it abstract. They had to use it how they were a prospector, they were a customer. And thank you, Tim Page, for leading a great organization. And actually, Decision Link 
listened in and uh, actually gave us some tidbits and coaching along the way, but they're a great partner. That's great. So before we get to other tools, Tucker, maybe we can pull uh, some of these other questions up. So from uh, Ezra, thank you, Ezra. Uh, Ken, uh, you know, I think a lot about ecosystems. One thing I think CROs underestimate is the effect a negative view can have during the 68% of research time. Can you talk about how you think about ecosystems and partners? Well, yes, our three biggest partners are AWS, Azure, and GCP, and over 30% of our leads come from those because kind of like if you have Allstate, for example, and all of a sudden some rock breaks your windshield and they recommend you go to you know a place to go fix your windshield, you're going to go who they recommend. So we're the highest level of all three of those cloud vendors, and they recommend us all the time. So investing 25% of your time of our field resources and getting to know and know why that when AWS sells a $10 million commit, they can consume it quicker and why our advantage of there is huge. So we do work tremendously with the ecosystem. That's a very spectacular question. I appreciate that. I also saw another one through, oh, by the way, Greg, uh, great to see you. I know you're over um, helping out entirely over at your place. So uh, great job there. But I also see a good point about diversity. I'm a proud dad of three daughters, 25, 23, 23. And yeah, I, I'd like to be one of the people that hire more and more to improve the diversity. In fact, a quick compliment my daughter uh, gave me one day, she reached through my LinkedIn and went to my recommendations and we had like 30 on mine and they were all, you know, all ages, all colors, all genders, which is great. So I'm going to try to be that change agent. And more importantly, IBM really, really leads by example there. They really, really press making sure that um, our company matches what the company of the population is. So we're trying to lead by example, um, more underrepresented, uh, folks into the positions of power. And I'm trying to do it in my own uh, position as well, whether it be in marketing, whether in BDRs or whether it be in the field facing folks, we're trying to push diversity because it's, it's just good. It's a good business practice and um, it, it helps. And I know our customers are trying to do that as well. Thanks. Yeah. And there's something there too, I think we, we can all do. So you've got a small population, uh, you know, great point, Renee, but I think if there's ways that we can go back, you think about the college experience that you said at BC with uh, Dave Donatelli and me, so you know, I think having companies and sales leaders get back to the universities, you know, unfortunately, there's not that many that actually have sales programs. But for those that do, really trying to stimulate, you know, getting diverse candidates into those programs. So then you've got you know, more out there that then, you know, can can be you know, more and better leaders and kind of its whole, uh, you know, kind of. Yeah, I think Ohio U has a great sales program that uh, a lot of people have capitalized Um you know, for example, my market, my degree says marketing on it, for example, not sales, but we took professional selling class. But yeah, um, an example, your daughter's in tech. So you're trying to do your part, Randy. My daughter's in tech. We're trying to do our part, but we would we would like to have it as diverse. And that's a big initiative for IBM and obviously for Taos. It's just good for business. And quite frankly, it's it's better for everything. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I give a shout out uh Alabama and uh, Florida State, too, have some uh, great, great programs. Uh, anyway, so, Renee, thanks for your comment. Thank you uh, for this programming. Uh, Tucker pulled it off, but I think said sales community is doing a great job. So thanks. So for those that are not members, please check out sales community. You can go to salescommunity.com. On the top of the public website, we also have a tab that is a book where you can get a uh, paper version or a online version. And we also have a free newsletter that I highly recommend. Uh, we've got lots of our great sponsors put content in there. 
uh, as an example, I put my uh, goals in, I put uh, performance management plans that we've done, just a whole bunch of great topics. So the, the newsletter for sure is a, uh, is, is a no-brainer. So from uh, Greg DeFraya, thanks, Greg. Ken does a great job with social media, absolutely. Uh, the Friday lunch sessions and the fact that you make your content personal is great. Based on what you see, how much more visibility do you get with personal slash self-produced content versus marketing or branded assets? Great question, Greg. Yeah, um, you and I are both. It's not um, by mistake that you and I have, what, 2,400 mutual contacts. I think you, we both have somewhere in the 20,000 followers, and I never envisioned it. Um, you know, We can go old school and talk about how we all started in this business, but I remember when I got the job at EMC, I just made a choice. I go, this is incredible. It's fast moving. It's action. The harder you work, the more money you make. And at the time when you're 22 years old, you want to make money. Um, so our generation was a little bit different. You had to get capitalists um, for, for the others. But I decided to involve more people. And if we have a chance, we can show the picture. But like, I decided to bring all my friends and actually the leaders of EMC. I remember Roger Marino pulled me aside, the M of EMC, you know, really, really well, Randy, and said, do you have any friends at college or friends in high school that would talk like you, act like you, and as driven as you? Absolutely. So um, I brought everybody I could into that car with me, and I brought them in. And I'm so happy, you know, the Bill Hogan's, the Mike DeLucas, they're actually in this car. Um, sorry, uh, our alma mater, Boston College, if you're all seeing this live, that's my 1976 Cadillac I just bought from my uh, roommate Bubba's dad, Artie Bub. Um, in celebration, my roommate Buckle took out a Sawzall, Milwaukee Sawzall. This is not a sponsor, Dad. But he sawed off the roof of our Cadillac because, unfortunately, the bicentennial blue Cadillac did not have a convertible edition. So we made a convertible edition, and that's 22 of our people in honor of Doug Flutie, number 22. And there might have been some type of drinking device in the, in the back as part of it. But in that vehicle, you might laugh. Every one of those folks is either a CEO or a CRO in an IT company. And it just I think it was good to bring people along with you for the ride. And, you know, people forget you are the average of your team. So when I see uh, Don DePonio, now Rochelle, who's now VP of, of uh, channels and other organizations, Tracy Halima, who's the CEO of Vital Proteins, unbelievable. Gene Fay, CEO of ThreadX, uh, Ken Hoppy, CEO of Modigi. You know, I love that I gave them the first break from inside sales to real, you know, outside sales, quarter counting sales. And now they're CEOs of major companies. Bill Hogan was my college roommate, one of my college roommates. He's a CRO of a major company you had on last week, Beyond Identity. You have to be cognizant. Like I said, you are the average of your team. So it doesn't matter how well you do. It's how well the average of your team can do. And don't forget, create a wake that people can benefit off of. You know, give your break to um, one of the best inside salespeople I ever met in our life was Hema, um, who was having a hard time getting her job in the business. And it was her first job coming out of the consumer world. And now she's worked with me three or four different times. And believe it or not, when I turned 55, she was the first text I got just from the break I gave to her in 2013, getting in the tech business. And now, not to talk about money, she may, now makes four times what she used to before, and she makes a huge impact. So I do think, you know, these leaders have an obligation, kind of like selling like Spider-Man, of bringing people up with you. And then if they pass you, great. You've created an incredible ecosystem. So, Randy, you should be very proud that you have a lot of people there in some prominent CXX positions, and you've put people in your convertible Cadillac very well as well. There you go. Great story. And uh, for those that don't know, the uh, buildings behind are called the Mods, which are at Boston College. And uh, in the 70s, they were uh, temporary housing. So <laughs> go, go figure. And probably the, the, the worst housing in America and, and probably the most sought after, too. But 
uh, anyway, lo- lots of great times and great, great picture. And, you know, BC continues to show that uh, t- t- you know, t- time over time. So maybe getting back to the sales tools. So awesome um, testimonial there for Decision Link. But uh, I think you've got some others, too, that you're passionate about. Yeah, what I decided to do is a zero. And I've done this job six or seven times. So um, people ask me, why don't you bring your people with you or bring your tools with you? You and I talked about this offline before, Randy. It matches the use case you have. If your last solution was selling $2 million of hardware, you can't really bring those tools or those people with you if you're selling, you know, Taos, it's a $400,000 services play that's a combination of tools, automation, and people. But um, what either way, you want to create more at-bats. And as a CRO, I think the obligation is holistically to know the whole buying cycle. So a couple of ones I'll throw out there, they're off the beaten path, but these might be these uncovered jewels that by attending either this live or a recording, I'll have it out there. So um, number one, tech target priority engine. That thing's awesome. Number two, use Accelerate. It's not just in-source BDRs. It's having the AI all around it. Um, Copilot, when you're doing a Zoom, actually have another screen that actually pops out and actually helps you through the call, which is great. Decision link, business outcome-based ROI. And then I also use Modigi. I was advisor of Modigi. They have a way and a cadence you can actually get people's cell phone numbers integrated. So maybe a second before saying, instead of calling a landline in COVID, you're not going to answer. What if I can call their cell phone number if they've opt in appropriately uh, with the right permissions? Um, at the end of the day, you know, I do think those are some of the more uh, higher higher value add. There's LinkedIn Nova, Nav, uh, Navigator. There's Zoom Info that helps. But this uh, priority engine from Tech Target is a huge ABM. Yeah. And so for those that don't know, it's I kind of look at it as a uh, kind of if you think about consumer reports for consumer everything else, uh, that's really what tech target is for IT. So if you're an IT executive, it's probably the, the primary site you're going to go to to look for cloud services, networking, whatever the topic is. And then customers actually opt in to have their information be shown. So they're able to see, okay, looks like Citibank or JP or B of A or Motorola, whoever, all of a sudden has had you know, a big increase in looks on our site around this area. That means they're probably going to be uh, looking to buy, which is a f- fantastic, uh, fantastic concept. And then, uh, so, so Modigi, so it basically allows you to kind of, I'll say, get legally get people's cell phones? Um, they're their numbers. Yeah, they have to have permission based. They have to have to opt in. But yeah, um, think about the response rate. Um, I was one of the first inside sales reps in the history of EMC. Your guest last week, Bill Hogan, the same thing. You want to be able to connect. And in a good cadence, and I'm, I'm yeah. sure uh, your daughter will explain this to you as well. A good cadence is a couple emails, reach out an in-mail on LinkedIn, which is why your profile really does matter and why yeah. I don't mind doing the lunchtime Fridays, but then people kind of galvanize behind it. But, you know, a text relationship. One of the questions you'll ask, you know, how do you improve the overall inspection process and forecasting? One of the questions I normally drop is the last text you get from your customer, what was the response? Well, if you start seeing guppies and the person's like, the person hasn't texted me. Well, how do you think at the end of the quarter while they're on vacation, they're going to move things around and complete a sign now or a DocuSign while they're in vacation or the CFO's in vacation? You've, have you earned that level? So it's a good inspection tool. But yeah, Modigi is a legal way to get people's cell phone numbers. And as long as they've opt in and more importantly, put it into a cadence, which is great. I'm an advisor for them and I have been in the past. I've known like another person, Ken Hoppy. Uh, he was at uh, Lawson Software and I brought him the EMC family and he's only moved up and upward all the way through there. But I do like using all these different, different tools and they do match the use case 
for four hundred thousand dollar professional services and man service engagement at Taos. Awesome. And there is uh, I'm drawing a blank. There's a channel company, if you want to mention it, that um, you'd introduced me to a couple of weeks ago. And of course, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, no, launch go to market. Yeah, they're a brand new company. Um, a few people have noticed I won't pull over my thing, but I've been channel champion a few times. Um, in fact, Tom Heiser tapped me on the shoulder and said, why don't you start this channel program? And I remember watching CNBC when that was a thing. I know it's still a thing, but it used to be a big thing. And I remember Jim Cramer interviewed Mike Rutgers right after they bought yeah. Data General. And his first call after he called Maureen was to me, he'd go, Kenny, can you show these people how to sell, you know, smaller, uh, smaller type items that were $80,000. So I, I started the VAR program for EMC, which I now think is over $50 billion. And my goodness, running those VARs as they move to the cloud, what a great opportunity. I mean, they're great uh, pillars in the community and they do great jobs. And, you know, watching uh, Dan Adami, who I was with at the very beginning when he started ahead, incredible. CR is doing an incredible job at Visex. I know we have a mutual connection there with us. Yeah. We're there as well. Um, you know, the folks at launch go to market, just a better way to do it. You know, they basically they've done Uber to a taxi, what they were for other environments. But launch go to market, great company. Please look at it. It's, it's just getting off the ground now. Oh, very cool. So you're talking about the channel. I know you're a huge uh, fan and early leader of the channel. How have you seen the channel evolve? Well, I've seen them change the comp plans. One of my friends was Vince DeLuca. Well, he's still my, obviously one of my friends. Uh, he actually, uh, my wife grew up in the same town he did, and we play every year in a Labor Day tournament. And Vince was the CEO at Logicalis. And I'll paraphrase his quote. Kenny, the biggest problem is how I need to change the comp plan from one that you should get paid net of the margin to a net of a reoccurring stream. Right. So as everyone follows, unfortunately, the SaaS model um, of the cable company, Mark Benioff was the first one to do it with Swim With Those Dolphins. That's a great book if you get a chance to read it. But when you go through it, if you change the comp plan, it's going to self-disrupt the company, which is good. You need to disrupt. You need to do something new. In your late 40s, early 50s, you need to go to Stanford to get better and glean it, even if everyone else in the class is half your age. But what I've signed on the channel, those who embrace the model of compensation and the model of focus of prioritization towards the cloud, that'd be great. We at Taos pay our folks actually the same, if not higher, when it goes to an AWS or an Azure or GCP. They're great partners. And I think if you were to bring them on um, for an interview, each of those leaders would say, we need Taos because we can't do it by ourselves. We're not optimized for consuming the cloud that we sell or Taos sells for us. We're optimized for doing commits. And then Taos comes behind with a burstable labor to actually consume those commits and go over and over again. But it's, it's basically moving to a reoccurring model and have the compensation done in smaller bags of money reoccurring versus a big bag of money on a one-time purchase. Wow, that's awesome. And um, I don't know if I ever mentioned to you, there's a company, Tackle.io, I invested in. It's done really well. I uh, got introduced through Andy O'Brien. So they're a, a cloud marketplace for AWS for B2B companies. Yes, we used them at Weka. Um, they do an incredible job of helping you. Mon they're an expert. So just like Taos, you invest in experts short term to take over a glitch or a, a bridge you have out there. Tackle we used at Weka because we weren't monetizing our file system online enough and we had it available on Amazon, but it just kind of sat there. Tackle.io helped us to monetize and, and actually cut through the clutter. Great buy. Randy, always have a keen eye. And, you know, just like our own careers, you find a couple diamonds in the rough and you invest in them and it's, it hurts a little bit because they're not ready for the job. They might have the heart and the mind to do it, but they just don't have the expertise. The leap of faith that you've done in investing in someone like me and I invest in people like I've mentioned before, you put a leap of faith in them and you never know who's going to be the next CEO. And I'm happy that many, many people under me have become VP of sales. Mark Daniels, who was one of our best sales reps at Sign Now, now is uh, leading a great company. 
um, that's in the virtual environment. We do virtual classrooms. Gavin Hayes, who worked for me, is now one of the top sellers at Adobe. So I'm liking seeing people that I invest in and give a, a break to all of a sudden thrive in an environment. That's what it's all about, making a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so talking about making a difference, you're, uh, you had some uh, great contributions in, uh, in my book. Uh, three of them, I think they're pretty self-explanatory, but it's the three wow sales best practices. Um, don't know if you want to talk anything about them. They're pretty, again, uh, self-explanatory. First one is recorded two to four minute video with an employee or customer. Uh, do you want to add anything to that? No, but thank you. You actually watched mine. We just recorded a uh, video. We just popped it this past week because when you go to a website, you want to see one video, say what exactly, okay, Taos, unfortunately, Wikipedia is showing it's a city in New Mexico. I told you our only problem isn't our delivery because we have an NPS of 82. People love our product. If you remember for a comparison, Apple has an NPS or net promoter score of 73. So people like it. Our problem is one of exposure. So I did create recently with our help from Exact Market, one of our marketing partners. I think they're participating and listening to this right now. Great company. We put together a quick one minute, and 57 second video that tells the story of Taos. And um, believe it or not, that's got like 10,000 views in the first three days. So it does. Wow. Connect. You have to be able to cut through the clutter. You know what? Two minute video. And you probably know this. The number one search engine in the world is Google. And the number two is YouTube. Go watch a millennial. If they have a rented car, and they don't know where the uh, gas cap is. They'll go to YouTube. YouTube will show them the answer. So it's almost like our modern Funk and Wagnall encyclopedia or our modern Google. I mean, YouTube's huge. So yeah, having that video to cut through the clutter, whether it be Tackle.io or Taos or even Sales Community, really, really matters. But thanks. That's one of our first wows. That's great. And then second wow is reps memorizing the seven wow business impacts. Yeah, I had a teacher, Ray Keys, at college. He was so what? So you really want to remember the so what? And it's all the metrics. So having use cases, we have the metrics like I got to Azure Landing Zone and had my mobile app stood up with full DevSecOps by June 1st. And that mobile app allowed the company to gain 1% market share when the others were sleeping during COVID. So as you come out of COVID, it's all mobile apps, getting the customers where they are, which is a remote environment. So we had all our sales reps memorize our 23 best case studies. Some of them are public. Some of them, we respect the right that they want to respect the NDA. We don't say the customer's name, but you have to say the so what good BC education, good Jesuit education, the so what, all around metrics and business outcomes and the quantifiable amounts that if you were doing a newspaper, what do you want the headline to be? Well, we, an example, we have a customer called Acoustic. We saved them a million dollars the first month because we did cloud cost optimization. We put it in, we used our tools, best practices. We've done thousands of installations. We found some over-provision instances, over-provision cores, boom, thousand dollars of savings that they got passed along. Huge, small bag of money, Big bag of money, ROI, big impact, all metrics, all the time. Well, awesome. And then uh, we, we talked about before your lunchtime Fridays, but doing a weekly 60 second video. Yeah, well, I do lunchtime Fridays. Um, I think people have to improve their profiles because if you go to buy from anybody, you will go to their LinkedIn. Is it up to date? Do you have a great picture? Um, do you put yourself in the best light? And then do you contribute to your ecosystem? Do you, if you're doing business with AWS, are you posting an AWS group? Are you active? Are you giving something back? Or are you just there for the paycheck? I will tell you, people who buy do check you out. If you look at there for the paycheck, they can choose other people. If you're giving back and you have a lot right. of recommendations and you hired a bunch of people, I mean, you go to yours, you're giving back more than anybody, Randy, but you want to come across that way as someone you want to do business with. You want to be a good neighbor, someone who, if, you know, if they're 
their roof comes in from water, do you come over and help them bail them out? I want to be that type of neighbor that helps my neighbor out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, from, from Jesse here, we have a great point. Actually, Je Jesse showed me this yesterday. Uh, Greg, uh, Jesse says, Greg, they added a new bell on the profile page, which I love because I put Ken Grow's content in my feed. Definitely better now that you can pick people to follow fairly, fairly new feature. So um, what I used to do is in sales navigator, I would tag, tag you, tag Taos, you know, tag others. You have to go to sales navigator because within LinkedIn, I didn't like you got this feed. Most of the people you really didn't know or didn't care about. So I'd rather get the feed from the people that I know and I care about. So now LinkedIn has this as a feature. And Jesse, I'm not sure if you posted anything yet in, uh, in sales community, but that would be uh, probably worthwhile to do as well to uh, share with others. So uh, great and, tidbit and, there. And, um, Randy, th and thanks for a Christmas gift. You gave, well, you, you, you at a very reduced amount, you gave uh, a bro discount for sales community across our executives and our salespeople. So the good news is, People get confidence when they're hearing from their peers. Hey, I'm a BDR. I want to get promoted. I'm a BDR. I've been in the job for a year. What's going wrong? I'm, I'm a sales rep, but I'm not getting promoted. I'm a manager, first-time manager. What do I do? Billy Hogan did something on the first 90 days last week. It just builds community where you can feel confidence. You can fail and ask those annoying questions you don't want to ask in a public forum or at your own company or to your boss. So thanks for doing that across sales community. I did buy a copy of a book for all our executives uh, that you wrote because it's really a cornucopia of best practices. And then um, recently I bought Frank Slupin's new book, um, Amp It Up. And he talked a lot about culture and I gave that to all our executives. So Dick Yeag and the E of EMC taught me, if you want to endear yourself to someone, give them a book. Now I realize everything's gone virtual these days. So I look a little corny handing a 300 page book to someone, but if it's written by you or Frank Slupin, people get it. And they're, they're all full of chock full of adages that help them learning from peers. That's one of our themes that are out there. Thank you, Randy. Absolutely. So maybe for our last question, you brought up BDRs. So uh, I'm sure you've got some great BDRs uh, that are looking to come to Taos or that are at Taos. Uh, kind of what advice or words of wisdom do you have for them? Yeah. Um, selfishly, we have a great leader, Stephen Bennett. Um, my email is kgrohe, G-R-O-H-E at Taos, T-A-O-S dot com. I also have an IBM email as well. It's ken.grohe at IBM dot com. Glad to use both of them, which is incredible. No, I think it's the right way to move up. Um, if you want a position that pays you commensurate for business outcomes, it's great. It'll be a busy job. But like I said, do you want to take the red pill or keep on living the blue pill? I like being be able to impact the world. And the red pill is what you do moves the company every single day. And then the other question I get asked a lot, I'm a BDR. How do I get moved up? It's really easy. Be the best in your job. If everybody else is doing 1,000 calls a month, do 2,000. If everybody else is getting 12 meetings or discovery meetings or at bats, I call them, get 36. You just don't get permitted because of time in the chair. You get promoted from merit. And sorry, one of my mentors, Bill Scannell, I don't know how he's still doing it at Dell. My goodness, he's, uh, he's been in a countless number of calls with me. He says, you want to get promoted, Kenny? Give a presentation from your peers where your peers go, wow. Wow, that guy's good. You get promoted. It's almost everybody I know who's been promoted, it's because they had the audacity and the capability to share the business outcomes. You're right, Shannon, and do it in front of your peers. Then it's logical. You're not getting promoted because of politics. You're getting promoted because your peers know you should be the leader. I had the benefit of promoting Mike Mayer recently. He was doing deals with AWS, deals with Azure, deals with GCP, deals with IBM, deals that he led off his own um, environment and Rolodex and others. And it was just a logical promotion for him, for example. But I, I love those moments. 
Yeah, fantastic. So uh, time flies when you're having fun. So Ken, fantastic insights. Uh, Really appreciate it. So for those uh, watching again, check out salescommunity.com. You can get a free newsletter there. You can get our book there. And uh, for Decision Link, our uh, sponsor, they're the uh, value selling sponsor of uh, sales community. Certainly a fantastic uh, platform that anybody that's selling anything uh, in technology should be taking advantage of. And uh, Ken Groe, again, uh, CRO of Taos, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Randy, thanks for always paying it forward and giving back. You created an environment where people feel safe to learn from each other. And that's a beautiful thing. Thanks for making an impact. Absolutely. And, and tomorrow, and not tomorrow, ne- next week we have, uh, I think you also know, uh, will be episode 65, uh, Brandon Sweeney, who's the uh, CRO of HashiCorp. Great guy. I work with him. He knows partners really well. And actually, Decision Link has provided to VMware for a long time. Can't wait to watch Brandon next week. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Ken, uh, thanks for all you do. Have a great day. Seize the day, everybody. Thank you.